You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us all out on Twitter, as usual, at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. Find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. And as we do every single Tuesday, we will go to the guest line now and Welcome Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. It's been a tough travel day for him. He was in Boston and still in Boston looking to catch a flight out there. Rick, hopefully uh, you catch a flight out there on time this time. Uh, three canceled flights. I had a, I had a wedding in, uh, in New England over the weekend. But the good news is, since I was deadheading in Boston last night, uh, the Celtics were nice enough to accommodate me with a media seat, and I got to see... Um, I got to see Kyrie Irving nearly assemble a triple-double that included steals. That's a pretty rare thing. He had eight of them. When's the last time you got to, and not that you, did you work this game, Rick? I did in the sense that they've got a, a game against the Celtics coming up, so I put something in the bank yeah. right about Kyrie. You know, the combination of, you know, they're going to be playing him shortly, and also the fact that, you know, a guy with local ties who is, almost inevitably going to be an all-star starter, so I thought it was good to get ahead of that. Yeah, I was going to ask, when's the last time, I mean, you, you go to NBA games constantly, when is the last time you went just for the sheer enjoyment to go to an NBA game? Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, it would probably entail a date. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> seems like whenever I, it seems like whenever I date someone, they say to me, what's it like at a game? And, <laughs> So it's kind of interesting to sit in stands. It's, it doesn't happen very often, and when it does, um, you get a whole different perspective on it. Frankly, I, I bet you do. I, I went to the uh, Charlotte 49ers game, and, and that was. I was just thinking. I just went there yesterday. It was an MLK Day game. It was at 4 p.m., and I was thinking, you know, that was the first game that I had been to that hadn't been one that I had been working just in the last couple of years. And I would imagine with you covering the Hornets for a while. I imagine it's been a while since you've just gone just for the sheer enjoyment of one. But it was cool. it's cool that you got to go to the Boston Celtics game last night, and the Charlotte Hornets, while they aren't as good as the Boston Celtics right now, they have at least shown some type of improvement. They didn't win against the Pacers, second night of a back-to-back. But, Rick, they did show some improvement in that three-game winning streak prior. They beat the Spurs to start it all off, and then they ended it with the Suns, which are a bad basketball team. But, Rick, it looked like they really improved on the defensive side. Uh, what did you see on that end of the floor that really was an improved part of their play for the Charlotte Hornets? I thought there was probably some shock value in <laughs> how horrendously they played in Portland. Because if you notice, you know, yeah, they had a – they had a rough ending to the Pacers game. But other than that, ever since that Portland game, there has been a different level of focus defensively. Uh, it really did start out in the loss in Sacramento. Uh, I thought it was, you know, we have the, this pattern of Tony being the team conscience. It was necessary and it's appropriate. And I found it really interesting that big night for him in San Antonio when it would have been completely understandable if he had been completely preoccupied with the emotion that went went into playing against the Spurs. And after that game, in the post-game comments, he immediately said, this game demonstrates 
that offense is a given for this team, and if they play with the kind of energy and defense that they did tonight, it makes a huge difference and they can be that much better. I like the fact, frankly, that Tony is not at all reluctant to scold this team. We've seen Bismack Biombo get a lot of minutes, frankly, because he's needed because of Cody Zeller's absence. But at, at times, I mean, the guy you would really think would be the guy that's getting the most minutes is Billy Hernan Gomez. But now Bismack Biombo played over 25 minutes uh, against the Phoenix Suns, played almost 25 minutes against the Pacers. I mean, he's been getting a lot of run here, frankly, because, again, Zeller's absence. But also, he's been getting more minutes than Billy at, at times. What have you made of, of Bismack Biombo's play here recently, Rick? Um that JB is scrambling around, that the difference between Zeller and everybody else is probably wider than we all, than we all really thought at the beginning of the season. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think Cody not only getting back, but being, um, you know, keep retaining some basketball conditioning and being ready to really play is going to be really, really important in March. They need for this not to be, and I don't anticipate it being that way, but they need this not to be like next, like last season where after he had the knee surgery, he was never quite the same the rest of the season. And Rick, again, that's assuming that they, they don't make any trades, you know, just because, again, this is who they've been dealt with and this is who they, they've gone to battle with, Bismack Biombo and Billy Hernan Gomez. But just looking at the trade market, you know, just with, with guys that could potentially be available out there. You know, who would be guys in your mind that Cupcheck would feel comfortable parting with in any kind of trade talks that would maybe come up? Well, you uh, you would have to believe, and I don't mean like giveaway. So please, you know, people listening, I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but I would think that both you know Frank Kaminsky and Dwayne Bacon are people who you know the Hornets would be you know comfortable parting with to make something else happen. I think you get, it gets much more comfortable. I mean, I mean, complicated when you're talking about somebody like Malik Monk. I would be very surprised if they drafted Miles. I mean, I'm sorry if they traded Miles Bridges or Jeremy Lamb in this situation. And after that, you know, you'd need to get send something really good to the Hornets for them to consider. You know, almost anything else. I mean, we're obviously talking about a whole different element when we're talking about you know, um, you know really expensive contracts, but I think what we, you were asking me was trade commodities. I will say one other thing, and I mean this simply as a theory. I don't know that the Hornets are going to be as active at the trade deadline this season as they have been in the past for just one reason. Those trade deadline trades tend to be smaller or surgical things. The Courtney Lee trade was the classic example of that because they were solving a problem with MKG's injury. As the roster stands right now, I don't know if one of those small trades is really going to make any difference one way or the other, so it wouldn't shock me if they stood pat. No, that would make sense, Rick. And getting back to, you mentioned Frank Kaminsky, and we talked about this on the podcast yesterday. Frank Kaminsky just does not get any kind of burn. I mean, there are garbage time opportunities for Frank Kaminsky to just be thrown out there simply because you want to empty the 15th guy on the bench. And they're still, and Borrego is not playing Frank. Is this all just to risk injury and maybe take away his trade value that you don't want to risk any injury? I mean, why is Frank not even getting any kind of minutes, even in garbage time opportunities? Uh, First of all, I don't know the answer to that, but I will venture two guesses. One, I think you're right that there may be some level of, you know, this guy's, you know, potentially going to be in a trade, so let's not lose him over something silly. 
But the other thing is, you know, Frank, I mean, he's, he's a veteran. He's not an old guy, but he's a veteran. And I wonder if JB, out of deference to that, might not want to put him in for, you know, a minute and a half at the end of a game because it might serve no purpose. And he might, you know, um, in other words, I, you shouldn't look at this as an insult to Frank. Maybe on some, you know, some level it's respect to Frank. But I don't, I don't know the, the answer to that. My guess is that what you said makes some sense, that um, the last thing they need is for him to, you know, sprain an ankle and miss three weeks right before the trade deadline, which serve no purpose. No, I found it interesting. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. And Rick, it looks like we saw something kind of break, or at least an idea break over the weekend here recently, that the NBA, they could host a game in Paris, France in the near future. And you look at this roster, Rick, got a guy from France and Tony Parker, same thing with Nick Batum. It seems like it would make an awful lot of sense for the Charlotte Hornets to be that team that plays an NBA game in Paris. Um, you know, if the NBA wants to send me a nice check to be a consultant, <laughs> I can solve this in 30 <laughs> seconds. I think Hornets Jazz, Rudy Gobert. Um, obviously, the, the open question, and it's, all, it's been an open question from day one, is, while the Hornets have Tony under contract with a team option for next season, Tony has not yet committed to playing in the NBA for the 2019-20 season. If he does do that, I think the most, I mean, God, talk about a no-brainer. Tony Parker's last season in yeah. the NBA, a farewell game in Paris, France, <laughs> I I just want 10% of the ticket sales. Yeah. That's all I want. <laughs> I think me and you both. Rick Bennell here joining us again on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And just moving on to the other point guard here, Rick, with Kimball Walker. A lot of fuss about whether Kimball Walker should be an all-star starter for the Eastern Conference this season. Dwayne Wade is ahead of him in the go- in the votes. And obviously, I mean, you would imagine that Kimball Walker has played better than Dwayne Wade this season, therefore probably deserving more of that starter job in the Eastern Conference All-Star game. But, Rick, how much does it matter to be an NBA All-Star starter? I think the question you asked me is the most important one. Not whether Kemba deserves to be, because he does, but whether at the end of the day this really you know, is of any consequence. Um, the NBA, a long time ago, it's not exclusively fan vote, but it's 50% fan vote. The other 25% um, goes to media and another 25% to active players. But... The bottom line is the NBA a long time ago used these starter things as a um, and, you know as a marketing tool, and now even more so as an internet platformed marketing tool. It doesn't matter. What matters is all NBA at the end of the season. That is a real distinction. That really you know to be one of the fifteen players chosen to be all NBA at the end of the season is very, very significant, even though it doesn't get all that much attention because by then the playoffs are on everybody's mind. But, you know, Walker, you know, it'd be fun if Kemba got introduced at Spectrum Center um, at the start of the game. But at the end of the day, that doesn't make him any less or any more of a player. And, Rick, maybe looking at some of the guys on the team that are towards the bottom of the roster, like a Dwayne Bacon or a Devontae Graham for a time at least. I mean, a lot of these guys saw some time, or a couple of these guys saw a lot of time with the Greensboro Swarm. And, Rick, I was wondering, just can, how would you evaluate the relationship between the Hornets and the Greensboro Swarm, like bringing Dwayne Bacon up and down so many times, just like we did see 
from Devontae Graham before he got to be a little bit more important part of the rotation? I think that the Hornets' use of their G League franchise is dramatically more uh, close and coordinated than it's been in the past. You know, part of that is even if you have the structure, the head coach really has to buy into it. And I always thought that, frankly, Steve Clifford had some misgivings about whether he wanted his young players in Greensboro playing or around available for for practices. Um, Steve was more of a of a practice with the big um, team uh, guy. When you think about Borrego's background with the Spurs, keep two things in mind. One, obviously, Pop was ahead of most teams as far as the importance of balancing practice with rest. So you're not going to see the Hornets have a whole lot of, if they practice at all, it's going to be, you know, 20 minutes of taking jump shots after an involved film session. It's not going to be two hours of running up and down the court scrimmaging. That, you know, that's not the experience that, that, um, Dwayne Bacon and Devonte Graham really benefit from at this point. So the other thing about this relationship with the Spurs is they were way out ahead with the, with the Austin Toros of really making um, that an involved developmental process. I think that I think that uh, how much the 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 uh, swarm has been involved has definitely been a factor in getting Graham up to speed quickly. I think you see the situation now where Bacon is spending a lot of time around Greensboro because, frankly, he's not getting a lot of run with the, with the Hornets. I think that's smart. I think it's sensible. And I also, by the way, like the fact that the players have bought into this. They don't see this as a demotion. They see this as an opportunity. Devani was talking to me you know, a couple of weeks ago about how the swarm has been great to him as far as He'll be at, you know, he'll see things that are happening in games that, say, Tony does. He will see things that, that, um, he's asked to do in practice. He will play a game with the swarm and use that as an opportunity to refine that stuff. And then he's that much more ready to help them when they need him. That's part of that is the system being set up right. And frankly, part of that is Devonnie Graham is not your typical rookie. He's a grown up who spent four years in college. And he has the good sense and the, the clear wisdom to take advantage of opportunities. All right, great stuff as always. Find Rick on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Safe travels to you, and hopefully you don't get any more cancellations. Absolutely, Walker. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to you again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And thanks to you, everybody, for listening to us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One thing that I hate in life that has become a part of life now is that anytime that I want to mention a funny gif or gif on the air, that now what ruins the joke is everybody's faith to what they describe it and how they pronounce it. Just their 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 adamant stance on how they pronounce that particular word. And so while I was asking Nada and Doug, or I was talking about a specific gif in question, and I pronounced it gif, and as soon as I pronounced it, Jif, Doug comes in over the microphone and says, Jif, 
GIF, like that's what you want to call it. Like I couldn't even get through the joke. And that is one thing I hate about the way that we battle so intensely about how this thing is pronounced that I can't even get to what the relevant joke actually is. Sir, you are basically being a word gentrifier. Do you know what do you know? Again, you're a gentrifier now. You are basically That's coming funny. In- gentrifier has the same exact sound as what GIF does with the G right there. That's funny that you would use that word, but go ahead, please do. I hate you right now. Yeah, you are you a would. horrible, uncultured <laughs> savage. I, I think I am perfectly cultured. No, you are not. You're coming in here saying, this is how the, I know how the neighborhood used to be, but you know what? I'm a redecorate. That's right. I'm going to call the police a little bit more. And this is, again, you're a gentrifier. I can't believe you. <laughs> this is me right here, baby. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail. Again, not of the scribe and Doug Branson, LOH. And we appreciate you joining us here on today's edition of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You just heard Rick Bennell. Rick discussing a couple of things there. And one was just how much it matters to be an NBA All-Star starter. And I think that's something that has swept Hornets Nation, at least, for a, a while while we've been voting on who needs to be in the All-Star game. Because mm-hmm. Kimba, you know, you can vote to get him in the All-Star game right now. All you have to do is Google and press a button. Google no, Kimba no. Walker. That's last all you got to do. No, the last day of voting was yesterday. Okay, my well, if you didn't vote, then you're screwed. So you can't do it anymore. That's all you did have to do if you wanted Kimba Walker to get him in the All-Star game. And also get him to be a starter. And I know a lot of people want him to be a starter. Dwayne Wade, I would imagine, did end up beating him in the vote. We don't have the official number on the fan votes No, yet, no he won. He won. Right. Uh, well, right. I mean, we would imagine that he did, even though the official numbers I don't think have come out yet. But Dwayne Wade had such a lead where he was going to win the fan vote anyway. And I think a lot of people disagreed with that so much where they didn't like it that Kimba Walker did deserve to be the all-star starter. And I think... Certainly, he did with his play. I mean, Dwayne Wade's not an all-star starter this season. The guy's not even an all-star this season. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. Not a Dwayne Wade's not an all-star this season with his play. You know, he's not an all-star with his play, but you know what? I don't care. This is an exhibition game. Right. Why are we caring about who's... Why are we caring that Dwayne Wade's going to be on the team? I don't care. Let Father Prime, despite the fact that he has destroyed so many good, happy memories for me, as, despite all that, I'd rather see him play in this game and go out on top. Now, I think we should take the All-Star game a little bit more seriously than that. Now, there are plenty of All-Star festivities, the dunk contest, the skills competition, things where you can play around and have fun, the three-point competition if you want to mess around. But I think we should take the All-Star game more seriously. And the NBA agrees, or the players agree, because you know last year they started to take this thing a little bit more seriously, make it a little bit more competitive because fans we're starting to tune out. And if we're just going to give honorary degrees to guys like Dwayne Wade, then I think as a fan, you start you stop losing investment into the game. Maybe it was your choice to anoint him because of his, you know, long career, but you start to lose investment in the game if those selections don't mean anything. Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter as far as just the overall accolades that a player gets over his life what he accomplishes because when we look at all-star appearances nobody makes the distinction of whether he was an all-star starter or whether he just had the all-star appearance people do make the distinction of how many all-nba teams that you ever accomplished in your career whether it was a first team all-nba second team and so forth but 
when you look at just maybe specifically within each year, mm-hmm. maybe it matters. But then at the end, at the end of the year, and pretty much at the end of the process, I don't think people care anymore. I think if you're an all-star starter, it probably gives you a better chance to become an all-star MVP. True. So if, you know, and Kimball Walker hasn't really had the minutes or the opportunities in the all-star games that he's been involved in to really compete for that all-star MVP. And people care a lot about the MVP. So I think in that way, the all-star starter matters. And I also think the players uh, could give it some credence because unlike all NBA all-star starter is something that is partially voted on by the fans. It is recognition by the public that you are part of that crew. Yeah, the, it's nerfed though now. This It's nerfed now, and I'm kind of happy because otherwise we'd see Luka Doncic start. And I'm, as well as Doncic has played, I'm not sure he's actually an all-star if you're going to talk about negating guys like Tobias Harris, Gallinari to a degree. Guys that do deserve this, guys that can make some money off of this because – you can't. We always say you can't turn down exposure. It's, it's one of those big things in the media business. It's the same thing with players. You get a guy like Tobias Harris who is legitimately funny on Twitter and put him out there. I kind of want to see Tobias Harris there. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. We've got Doug Oscar takes next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, Visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So I come into the studio today, and Doug says, hey, if you want, if you need anything from me, feel free because I've got Oscar takes. The nominees came out. What was this, today or yesterday they came out? Listen, I haven't been on the show for a few days, but I need (laughs) a few minutes to talk Oscars. But you... But you have Oscar takes with the nominees that have come out. And so, by all means... This is fresh content. These, these came out this morning. This is... I didn't realize that it had been so soon. And so, by... And, and he wanted he wanted to make sure that I knew that he was going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody tonight. That I need not worry. He was going to make sure that he watched that movie tonight. Took it all... Take it all in and make sure that he would have an accurate evaluation for us tomorrow. And so... With that being said, you have seen most of, but what, one or two of the Best Picture nominees so far? So the only Best Picture movies I have not seen are Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice. Going to get to Bohemian Rhapsody tonight and try to, and I will get to Vice before February 24th. What do you think? 
What do you like? Do you like the list? Is it worthy? Are all the movies worthy of being nom- nominated? Well, let me just say that, first off, the things you need to know about this year's Oscars are that it is the year of streaming. Netflix getting Roma nominated not only for Best Picture, but it's a foreign language film that has 10 Oscar nominations under its belt. That is huge. Amazon Studios produced a movie called Cold War. Not a lot of people are going to know about this movie, but um, Pavel Pavlovsky. Uh, is the director, and he got a nomination for Best Director. Uh, So the streaming services are starting to make themselves known uh, in Oscar uh, nomination land. Uh, I love all the Best Picture nominees, except for, I would say, Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice were the two weakest nominees. And I loved If if Bill Street Could Talk. And I know you love that movie too, Nada. We've talked about it a lot. I thought it deserved a Best Picture nod, and I would probably put it over... I put it over Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, Black Panther, and Black Klansman. Even though you haven't seen those movies, you feel comfortable putting it above those. Just Just from from what I've heard from critics, I'm not going to guarantee it because I have to put my eyeballs on it first. But just from what I've heard from critics, I I really feel like if Bill Street could talk, deserved. It deserves. Bill Street, if Bill Street could talk, deserves a whole lot more than it's actually like getting. And I know that um, Barry Jenkins had already won for Moonlight for both Best Director and Best Picture. But at the same time, Beale Street was the best movie I saw. Sorry to bother you, and I know that's another favorite of yours too, Doug. Didn't get anything, but you kind of understand why it didn't actually, you know, get any kind of nomination. Yeah, it was just a little too weird and a little too on the nose in my mind. I didn't feel like it said anything necessarily revolutionary. I just it wasn't it wasn't subtle. It was almost uh, just too kind of hitting the nail on the head a little too hard. Yeah, it's it's literally the film is one giant baseball bat to the face for about <laughs> 2 hours straight. That sounds like an excellent viewing experience. I what I usually do is anytime that the nominees are released or the show actually the award show actually takes place, what I usually do is I'm always catching up. And so I always watch the movies that are listed after they do get nominated, and I haven't heard of a lot of these movies that have been nominated here. I, I've, I've certainly heard of A Star is Born, right? A Star is Born, I feel like everybody is in love with. I, Came I'm, in as a big favorite, but has tailed off as the weeks get closer. Thank you. I, I obviously have heard of Black Panther, definitely know Black Panther, know of Black Klansmen, know of Bohemian Rhapsody, have not heard of The Favorite, uh, vaguely familiar with Green Book, had not heard of Roma, which is your favorite this year, correct? And what you think should win based on what you've seen so far. Roma is absolutely my favorite film from this year, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. He also directed Gravity and the third Harry Potter movie. Uh, This is a real biographical film for him. It's set in the 1970s in a suburb of Mexico City. Tells a passionate story about a a maid for a middle-class family and the struggles that she goes through uh, it's shot in all black and white, shot on Alexa 66 uh, millimeter film, but it is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen and just tells a story about as passionately and as affecting as you can tell a story. Uh, it, to me, it's a must-see. And hey, guess what? It's on Netflix. Like you, If you have Netflix, you can watch it right now, and I suggest you do so. Can we be honest about something right now? I would love for us to be. I'm, I'm an honest guy. Green Book 
is Reverse Driving Miss Daisy. And I can't believe that a film like this is going to get nominated and probably going to win. Oh, I can definitely believe it. And I would not be surprised if it did win. To me, it, it is a it is a Driving Miss Daisy type of story. It's a Forrest Gump type of story where it lays in sort of just enough of that saccharine, uh, of that schmaltz that can appeal to a large audience and yet does that thing where it sort of tells a difficult story in a way that liberals can digest and sort of feel good about themselves and be like, yes, I, I understand the, the struggles uh, that other yeah. races have had in this country and like feel good and walk away from it. Doug, this man, Viggo Mortensen's character taught this man how to eat fried chicken. That should automatically disqualify it from anything. Well, there are a lot of controversies surrounding <laughs> um, the producer of the movie, who is the son of the character played by Vigo Mortensen, and also Vigo Mortensen saying the N-word, but not saying the N-word during a press tour. Yes. Didn't say it in a derogatory way, but there's, you know, there's all this discussion about can any white person say that word? Can I put a PSA out? For a quick PSA. Uh-huh. No. Okay. Yeah, let's, good. Let's ask right. our black host. Yes. Not no. A, okay. Thank you. <laughs> ask a much. black host. Got right. It. That's what we need. Uh, that, that's that's what we the have. segment. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. the segment. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Rami Malek is the guy that is probably favored to win, even though the movie is not getting that great of reviews. But Rami Malek apparently did a great job in Bohemian Rhapsody for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury. Correct. Well, I'm watching it tonight, so I'll let you know tomorrow. Because you're watching it tonight, right? But it's it's one of these instances that happens every once in a while where a an actor basically drags a movie into Oscar contention for best picture and I think yeah we call that's that the, what's the, happened the, we call that the Denzel basically yeah Denzel's done that a few times I feel like Clint Eastwood with Unforgiven a movie that won best picture did that I think sometimes a a performance is so good that it elevates an entire movie and that's probably what happened with Bohemian Rhapsody and one of the things that I found interesting in having zero experience with a lot of these movies pretty much every single one of them is that Actress in a leading role, the nominees include Lady Gaga, which I've only heard fantastic things about her role in A Star is Born, but also Melissa McCarthy. Like two of the five candidates in that category is Melissa McCarthy, more known for her comedic enterprises, as well as Lady Gaga, who, again, is a singer. Like, I thought that was interesting to me. I've heard rumblings about Melissa McCarthy being really, really, really good in this. I need to see this film, apparently, that she's in, though. Yeah, I feel like every once in a while you have you do have these movies where a comedic actress will or actor will step out and do something serious and and be lauded for it, uh, deserved or undeserved. So that's that's not and but I think even stranger is when you do have someone from the music community come in and lay a performance like Lady Gaga did, which I feel I feel honestly is one of the best performances, male or female, this year. I, I mean, I loved her in Stars Born. It was. I mean, that that performance just hits you right in the gut. I think she deserves the award. Was she better than Jennifer Hudson, also coming in from the music industry and winning? Oh, it's not close. Not it's close? It's not close. Yeah, she I've was never, so much better. What, what did Jennifer Hudson win for? Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls, yeah. I thought Lady Gaga, well, I haven't seen Dreamgirls, so I can't speak to that performance. But You're I, not missing much. So the better, but I did like Lady Gaga. The better music actor is Lady Gaga over Jennifer Hudson. Yes. All right, there you go. Thanks for listening. That's the hard-hitting Oscar stuff that we have for you. Thanks to Doug and Nada. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.